I recently got an email from a listener that I want to share before jumping into this episode. Uh, Stephen Atkins writes, I just wanted to reach out and thank you for standing up for what you believe in when it comes to the hunting industry. You having the gumption to go against the grain of the celebrity hunters actually helped me get through the toughest time of my life. The day before Thanksgiving last year, I went to wake up my son from his nap and found him unresponsive in cardiac arrest. I immediately began CPR until the paramedics got to my house and they rushed him to the hospital, but he didn't make it. To say this flipped my life upside down, is an understatement. Our pastor met with my wife and I the day our son passed, and he told us losing a child is either going to bring us closer or tear us apart. Unfortunately, I quickly found out we grieved the loss completely differently. And if we didn't agree to stay together and fight for our marriage, we would have gotten divorced. I needed something to help me grieve the loss of my son, and a family member asked me, if I wanted to come hunt on his property in Alabama. I didn't really want to go, but I wanted to get away. The next weekend, I found myself in a tree stand on a cold December morning, and it was still pitch dark outside. It was freezing, and thought this was a ter- and I thought this was a terrible mistake. And then the sun began to rise, and the woods started to come alive. Within minutes, my thoughts went from, this is a mistake, to, why did I wait 34 years to do this? I didn't care if I saw a single deer. What I felt that day was all I needed. After that weekend hunting whitetail, I got the bug and wanted to reach research and find out more about this hunting thing. I went to YouTube and searched hunting, and what I saw was a bunch of bloodthirsty egomaniacs who were starving for followers and money. They displayed the exact opposite of what I felt and did my first week weekend of hunting. After watching some hunting videos on YouTube, my thoughts were, quote, if this is what the hunting community is like, I want no part of it, unquote. Someone told me about this podcast called Meat Eater. I decided to give it a listen and thankfully scrolling through episodes, the one I decided on was number 304. The Fish Shack's Revenge, a tiki Christmas family feud extravaganza blowout. That is when I heard you for the first time, and you were the first person in the hunting community who didn't use it for ulterior motives or to gain something. Since 2014, I have been screaming to anyone who would listen that social media is the downfall of our society. I refuse to ever have a social media account. I do have a YouTube account, but I never read or post any comments. If it wasn't for hearing you on the Meat Eater podcast that day, I would have already wiped my hands with hunting because I thought everyone in the community had the mindset of Cam Haynes and Aaron Snyder. Without you, I would have given up on hunting after only being in the woods two weekends. Now looking back, I would have given up on one of the few things that brought me peace and happiness during the worst time of my life. I hope this email doesn't sound creepy or weird, but I heard you say on one of your podcasts that you didn't know if it's worth it or or if you are making any kind of impact on hunting doing what you do. For what it's worth, you have made such a positive impact on my life. I know it can be very defeating 
dealing with the egomaniacs you are fighting in the industry. But I am so thankful that you for you for doing what you do. Sorry for the long email, but I wanted to share my story with you. Keep up the good work. Well, the last thing I wanted to do when I started this podcast was grow the hunting community. But if I'm adding a few members like Stephen to our ranks, then that's got to be a positive thing. Stephen, best luck to you. Carry on. This is the Hunt Quietly podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Dan Schmidt, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine, Matt. How are you doing? Good. Can you tell my audience a little bit about yourself, where you come from, what you do for a living? Yes. Um, I've worked at Deer and Deer Hunting for, this will be my 28th year. Um, So I'm going on 30 years at Deer and Deer Hunting. Um, Is that a magazine? Magazine, TV show, website, podcast. Um, everything media now. Um, okay. I started off when it was just print magazine and now we've got, uh, five television shows, a very robust social media platforms. Um, you name it, anything. Our parent company that Brad Rux and I and Steve Bartella started is called media 360. So we, we do anything out there media related to deer. And we've brought the brand to all those platforms in the four years that we've had it. So are the, what chan are the, is it the outdoor channel, sportsman's channel, YouTube, uh, pursuit, ch- pursuit channel okay. is where uh, all of our shows are. And it's Saturday night deer camp on pursuit. Okay. Thank you. Um, and what's the premise? Premise um, is, uh, practical and comprehensive information for whitetail deer hunters. That's the, uh, that was our model back when the print magazine started and the print magazine was the first whitetail specific, um, uh, media source in America started in 19 uh, incorporated in 1973 by the stump sitters. And the magazine came out in 1977 as a newsletter. And that was the first, uh, whitetail magazine in America and everything else kind of followed that. What's stump sitters? Stump sitters was a group of deer hunters, um, that basically studied, <clears throat> Deer behavior biology and research and they just shared it amongst each other and um that was they incorporated in 73 and then by 77 they said we think the rest of the country might like to partake in this information because all back then all you had was the big three you had outdoor life field and stream and sports field and uh they started the magazine uh basically the meat of it was like science biology research that type of stuff and then you know added hunting tactics and that type of thing into it i see so the you're okay you said you have five shows right 
five TV shows. Yeah, we've got Deer and Deer Hunting, which is an extension of the magazine. We've got uh, Deer Deer and Deer Hunting Properties, which is a, a real estate program we're starting this year. We've got Deertopia with Steve Bartilla. That is a land management show. Uh, we've got Deer Tech, which f- focuses on hunting gear and products. And I'm missing. We had Land of Whitetail that we folded this year. We that was a uh, kind of a travel destination type of show. Well, okay, what was that last one? I'm just writing some of these down. Uh, sorry, Land of Whitetail. Um, okay, that one we did for about twelve years. Okay. DDH TV has been on, I think, 18 years now. DD. Deer and Deer Hunting TV. Oh, okay. That's the first one I think you said. Yeah. Um, so what's the Deer and Deer Properties one? That one, we, we, we're we starting um, with a local realtor. And what we're going to do is he already sells hunting properties. So we're going in and we're going to help provide prospective buyers with uh like land management plans kind of give uh, buyers like an idea of what you can do with a property as far as managing it for better wildlife, um, lending our expertise that we've, you know, between Brad, Steve and I, we've got 90 years worth of experience in the industry. So um, we're going to be trying to help with uh, move some deer hunting properties in this area and then expand it as we go forward. Hey. Um, so do you think that, that quality deer hunting opportunities are, are shrinking and, and, and becoming more expensive? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think that, see, now you're going to get, you're going to get two sides of me. My personal side is different than my corporate side because, you know, we deal in this stuff and I, I personally, I, the most land I've ever owned is what I own now. And that's 8.9 acres. <laughs> so I, I have, own- I have seven. So I'm right behind yeah. you. That's, that's all I've got. But uh, as far as quality deer hunting for guys who watch the TV shows and drink the Kool-Aid and think they're going to be killing 160 inch deer like Lee Lakoski, um, the opportunities are shrinking. It, it, it can you, are they still available? Yes, but the game has changed, especially over the past couple of years. It's everything has just gone on such a fast track. It's kind of blowing my mind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is a, this is an interesting, you're an interesting person to be talking to, to about that because you're in media. I think that the, 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 opportunity is shrinking and i blame media for it so i guess i'm wondering what what role you think media is yeah i i you know i i see it i see how that can be uh, you can derive that but the way i look at it it's nothing it's no different than cars i mean you want to go buy a pickup truck it's going to cost you sixty seventy thousand dollars now it's no different than a house i built my first house on six, six acres uh in 1997 here when i moved here and uh i had everything in that house with the land six acres of oaks for sixty thousand dollars well you can't touch that place now for four hundred thousand dollars is the media to blame for that no it's uh basically america in general has there's a lot of people with a lot of money and they don't care how they spend it if they want something they're going to pay for it 
And I don't think that, I think people blame TV for it saying, oh, TV's to blame for high land prices or TV's to blame for, I can't find a lease. I, I don't think TV's to blame for that. I think people, like I said, there's people with money who don't care that they're going to spend it because they want a place to hunt. And what, the way I look at things today, I look at properties especially, and I wouldn't pay for it. I mean, there's like, there's no way. I mean, there, and there's guys with millions of dollars that they're like, well, I just want a place to hunt. I'm like, yeah, but you're not going to kill a big buck. I don't care. I want to do other things. I want to ride my horses or plant gardens. I'm like, okay, go ahead. You know, they're going to pay six, seven, eight thousand dollars an acre for it. And um, that's my long winded way of saying, I don't think it's media. I think it's uh, American culture in general, how everything is, is, has changed. Um, I don't think that these people with money would have ever gotten the idea if it wasn't for media. Maybe. I, um, I, I, I mean, I, I have had people on my podcast that got into hunting and leased mm -hmm. property as a consequence of listening to my brother on the Joe Rogan experience. I've had yeah. people on that have gone hunting for their first time on leased property as a consequence of watching hunting TV. And I, I mean, what I get to see is an eensy bitsy little people. Um, and I think if I were to broaden that out and see more, could see more, I think I, that, 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 that would be rampant and what people are shown, uh, uh, most of the time on hunting TV is people hunting on leased and, in private land so they're like oh i want to get into this and i've got the money to do it so i i don't know i don't i'm i i think cable hunting tv started up in the mid 80s and where i live you could hunt all the land around where i live now i didn't live here at the time but this is what my friends and their dads tell me that you could hunt all this land around here then and mm, coincident with the increase in hunting tv over the decades now it's all locked up and i don't i think that's a causal link i think it is a consequence i think it gave rich people the idea people I think, that can I, afford it the i idea. look at it from i think quality deer management is what caused it because i grew up hunting in this i mean i didn't deer hunt until the early 80s i really was enamored with it in the 70s when i was a kid because my parent my dad did it my brothers and my uncles but um, as Charlie Alshammer always said, rest his soul, um, once people realize that big deer are worth something, everything changes. And quality deer management, back in those days, we went hunting. If you saw a six-pointer, you shot it. Nobody's talked about score. Nobody talked about, oh, a 130 or 140. It's like, oh, I got a 10-pointer. You know, it could have been a 10-pointer like this, or you know, it could have been 20 inches wide, or it could have been... It could have been a yearling that was a basket that was 10 inches wide, but they said a 10-pointer. Well, once people realize that I can pass up deer, I, I could. you never thought of passing up a buck, ever. I mean, you had like, I'm going to pass up a buck? You're crazy. I have this tag. I'm going to fill it. But then people started doing this. Like, oh, wow. These deer are much bigger. Then things started snowballing. Did TV shine light on it? Sure. Um, but I don't TV, think TV, in my view, played a role in, in making people covet the big one. Yeah. Yeah. So in, I think so. But it also was it was a byproduct of 
those deer being there. Had nobody been doing quality deer management, would that have, I don't know. I, 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 I'd ra- I guess I'd rather that there was only small deer and it wasn't so privatized. If you, saw my, if you saw I, my garage, you'd probably, I'd probably agree with me. <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, I would rather that I, what I see is the, the, the demand for hunting opportunity is so much greater than the supply that I, I would rather that there were no big deer and be, be, there were, weren't be, that, that there was more opportunity for people, even if it came at the consequence at, at the expense of, of big deer. I actually agree sense. with you. I, I actually agree with you on that because it's killed the, it's killed the tradition of uh, deer camps throughout, throughout the country. Um, it's killed the camaraderie uh, throughout the country. Everybody, I mean, back in the day, by Sunday, we were all doing deer drives of gun season. On the second day of, nobody cared. Shoot a buck. Fill my tag. Go ahead. We had uh, group hunting here. You can fill my tag. I could fill yours. And it was uh, a merry old time. But I I guess I pine for those days, but I know they're not coming back. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it was a great experience growing up. I wish today's younger kids could have experienced that. But today it's all about me, me, me. I'm going to sit in my tree stand. I'm going to lease 200 acres. You can't go on it. And I'm going to try to kill one buck. And and now you've got problems because you can't manage the deer herds. But I guess I would agree with you on that that point. I've always been about, personally, I've been about, when I say what are the best deer hunting states, I list the states that have the most opportunity. Michigan. Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, New York. Um, those are the states where I think the best deer hunting is, is because they offer the most opportunity. And people say, well, why aren't you mentioning Iowa or Kansas or Illinois? Because you look at Iowa, they only have, I don't know, like 60,000 hunters. I'd have to look at my almanac, but they, they, they have a fraction of the hunters that they have in PA. PA used to have a million hunters. To me, that's that's what I like to see. I like to see people going out and having fun. Yeah. Agreed. Um, yeah, and and now it's there's I mean a lot of the reason in my mind there's fewer hunters is because a small numbers of hunters have taken up big chunks of property for themselves and made it so there's nowhere else for other people to go. And I don't know what you do about that. I mean what what I what I've been saying is hunters need to look out for other hunters. And I think that that's probably incredibly naive, but I think hunting's, I think hunting's only gotten worse over my 40 years as a hunter. And I think it'll only continue to get worse in terms of access and crowding and opportunity, ability to draw tags. But if, if it was to remain, so I think that we're becoming Europe, you know, and I think that we will become like a European model and if that wasn't the if if it didn't turned out to not be the case, it'd be because it'd have to be because hunters started to look out for other hunters, I guess. Thank um, you, right. And yeah. and for me, as someone that but I just it defeats the entire purpose to pay for hunting for me. So I I uh I don't know. I 
I could protect my own hunting by paying for it. Probably I get some expendable income, but I just don't, I don't, I don't enjoy the, I had never done it, but if I did it, I wouldn't enjoy it. I would be like, why did I, why did I, I could just go buy food at the grocery store at this point. How do you feel yeah. about, how do you feel about paying to hunt? I'm pretty much where you are. I personally have not had a lease in almost 20 years oh. um, here at home. Now, granted, I do have the luxury of being able to hunt out of state. Other people are paying for it. I'm going on leases. I'm going on with outfitters. Um, and I do get to experience that. But here at home, I don't want it that bad. I mean, I, I look at it back in the day. My, the year my daughter was born, which was 2002, my oldest daughter. What state do you live in? Uh, Wisconsin. Okay. And back then, in 2002, the going rate to lease land for bow hunting only, and you got one buck tag, was $1,000 for a 40. And I leased for two years, and then they jacked up the price. And I'm like, I, I can't look at my family in the face and say, daddy wants to go hunting. So I'm paying, you know, I mean, like that would have bought a lot of diapers and other things. So I didn't. And then the next lease I had, and then I said, well, then it was a long story on how that dissolved. But the next lease I had, I said, I'm not going into this unless I have it in writing. And I said, it has to be a three-year minimum deal. Cause you know, you put a lot of work into it. You scout it, you hang stands and that kind of thing. First year out of the blocks, I killed two nice deer. And then the guy went and sold that land for which at the time I thought was astronomical. Uh, what year was this? That would have been in 2007. He sold it for $3,000 an acre. It was uh, it was uh, 80 acres. And I'm like, that's just ridiculous. Well, that land today goes for seven or $8,000 an acre. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's quote unquote hunting land. And I'm like, to me, I'm now, that's not to bad mouth people. You know, you work hard and that's what you want to do. But there's so many guys now that that's all they spend money on. It's like, that's great. But I don't want that. I I, I don't want to pay that. To me, it's about what you said about getting some venison. I've got enough racks. Maybe I'm too old. Um, I've shot enough deer that I don't need to prove my manhood anymore by, by shooting a deer and mounting it. Uh, not that I ever did that. But it's like I can look at every single rack in my barn. Every spike, every fork, every six pointer, and I can tell you exactly where I was sitting when I shot them. And most of those were on public land. And the big ones I have mounted on the wall, same thing. But uh, I don't know where I was going with this, but um, it's gotten out of hand, and it's it has squeezed out um, the 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 little guy. Yeah, the or hunting the hunting hunting is cool. Mm-hmm. And and that's made it expensive is, is I guess another way of putting it. And I don't think it would be cool if it wasn't for social media, if it wasn't for hunting TV. Um so anyway, but we beat that to I beat to that to death on almost every episode. <laughs> so I we don't need to talk more about that. Uh I am curious what kind of okay. First of all, two question two part question. First part, when you when you are going with an outfitter on a leased property, what is the outfitter getting out of it? And secondly, how do you how does that experience compare to a public land experience? And 
terms of the sense of accomplishment when you actually get something. Okay, first part of the question, what does the outfitter get from it when I go? He gets publicity if I write about it. If I shoot so you'll write stories about yeah. such yeah. and such outfitter. I'll, I'll shoot a deer and I'll say where I was hunting. I don't, um, I don't, I, I try, I, I'm honest. Like I, if somebody asks me, or I'll even, I'll portray it in an honest vein. And the other thing that I think that's unique about our TV show with, especially my hunts, my motto is big or small. I shoot them all. And for me, it's, it's the experience. But anyways, to answer the first part of the question is the outfitter will get uh, exposure, whether it's a blog I write or an article I write in a magazine or a TV show that he'll get, get a mention from them. And then as far as the experience, I'm looking in my living room right now. I've got I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I have nine deer heads. Two of them were shot on public land here. And the rest were shot on trips with work and every one of, to me, every one of them is, is this is, I mean, granted that buck over there I shot on public land was my first big buck. And, um, that held special meaning because it was like, I scouted, um, I shot him from 10 feet off the ground. I, I remember every detail, but these other ones, I remember every detail as well. But there are, you saying that they, they were on leased land or or not the, uh, the, the other ones were on outfitted hunts okay yeah and the other ones are on outfitted and, hunts. and your sense of accomplishment with those is just as great this is great i mean it's like because to, to me it's it's not i do not equate hunting as a sport to me it's not like well you know i'm gonna feel extra proud because i did i did a lot more work on that one on public land i got you but this one here, what, I was, it's the experience, the experience. of it. That, I got you. That yeah, makes that, that makes sense. That and that's a that's a distinction between you and I. When when I I hunt in places that are very difficult to be successful in, and I put in a ton of time. So for me, a huge part of it is is the the accomplishment. Um. Do you worry that, I mean, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to, I'm not trying to bait you, but to like, and I'm not, I'm really not. I'm just curious what you say about this. Like, don't, don't you worry that it's, you're making it more pay to play by advertising for outfitters? No, I don't. I, I don't think that, I honestly don't believe that, I do not believe Granted, okay, so if a good example, Buffalo County, Wisconsin. You've heard of it, right? Mm-mm. You haven't heard of Buffalo County, Wisconsin. Well, anyways. You you might not know this, but I don't, I've never followed hunting media. Okay. Never. Well, but, I've never it, been interested in it. People so. listen to this podcast, I'm sure if they're interested in deer hunting, they've heard of Buffalo County, Wisconsin. One of the most um, like sought after places to go because it got so much publicity. but does that has that made our hunting leases more expensive there yeah they're more expensive there but the topography there is there's a lot more trophy bucks you know and it's it's the it's the it wouldn't be that way if you didn't have 
it's supply and demand, right? If you didn't have the if you didn't have the quote unquote product, which is a big deer, if you didn't have because we could go off the rails on this thing, but to me, I liken it to just follow along with me. I liken it to porn. You know, you got guys that are chasing big deer, but after a while, a 120 inch deer doesn't do anything for them. They have to get a 140 or 150 or 160. Now it's like 180. Well, there's only so many places you can do that. Um, is media making that work? I think media is a me. Is they, it's got to. I mean, nobody would know that Buffalo a, people wouldn't know Buffalo County was the spot. Well, they do because if it wasn't the, for media, no, it was because of all the Boone and Crockett entries. If you look at all the Boone and Crockett entries that B- Buffalo County was producing, that the mm. money follows. I, I, yeah, we just have a disagreement. I, I guess I, I would. Just, I think it's the "Get It While It's Hot" articles that have yeah. been coming out for decades the big bucks are in blah 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 i don't i don't know anybody that scans the boone and crockett books to figure out where to hunt but i know a ton of people that read magazines and watch tv shows and that informs where they hunt yeah i i guess i i disagree with you matt i don't think that you know media is media is a reflection of of the times you know, yeah, can can it? Of, of course, advertising works. We know that a- advertising works, and the more you tell somebody that um, Buffalo County is a place to be, probably the more inclined they're going to go there. But if it's if it's not paying off, they're not going to be going there for long. If big bucks aren't being killed there, they're not going to keep coming back for twenty eight years that I've been doing this. No, um, what's going to happen? I mean, it, you know, of course, but what's what's going to happen is in what did happen in Buffalo County and many, many other places in my view is it went from a place that probably in the seventies or eighties or whatever had some big bucks and maybe you could bang on a door or some of the public around there was decent, you know, but then people that the hunting wasn't enough for them. They had to make a name from themselves off the hunting. They had to have a public hunting persona. Then, then they started making those people. It's like, they don't, they don't, to me, it's like, I think that people that don't make a public persona for, uh, for themselves surrounded by like around hunting, enjoy hunting more. Other Mm -hmm. people use it more as like a tool to develop a public persona for themselves. There's a lot of So people are hunting in Buffalo County. Here's my, how I think it's worked throughout the country quietly, you know? The bang on the door, the neighbor lets him on, maybe he helps a farmer with the hang and he's getting on, he's getting a little access, he's shooting some nice deer and the public's pretty good, but then somebody shows up with the camera and like, and then somebody starts writing magazine articles and then all of a sudden uh, the place that the get local guys used to hunt, now they're locked up, now they're leased out and it's somebody from New York that's hunting them. And and then it perpetuates more media, higher price, more, more yeah, media, I, higher price, a bigger box, I, higher price, because that's happening across the country, and it has nothing to do with media. That that is happening. You can anybody listening to this will have an example of I used to knock on so and so's door, and they let me hunt, but lo and behold, I went and shot that one sixty. And then here, somebody found out about it. And here's a guy from, in my case, here's a guy from Milwaukee or Chicago who found out about it. 
well, I'll give you a thousand bucks to hunt there. Really? And it, and it's and it's Farmer Joe who's who was having me help him with this. Hey, this is just all. So you think it's word of mouth, not media? It's big bucks and word of mouth, but not big, media. It's, it's big. Well, media can definitely can I, have a role in it. Definitely can have a role, but not. I think the scenario that you're describing was probably more accurate in say like 2005 when uh you know when oh yeah and i'd say that it was it got it got bad long before that you know but i don't think it's even it it's not even a blip of what it used to be in my opinion if you're gonna if you're gonna peg it on media i will still go back and say that it's a product of what you have on the land if if it's it doesn't matter if not a single media person hunted an entire state. If you got big bucks and there's people with money and somebody is killing those deer and there's a farmer or whoever, money talks. And that. Yeah, but there's, I mean, like, I don't think that people would be so bloodlusty about the big bucks if it wasn't for hunting TV. Uh, I disagree. I, I t- completely disagree. You, you, you don't. You don't, you don't. That's yeah, so it's the world. This is a Billy Joel song. We didn't start the fire. This has been going on for decades. This was, yeah, going that's all. I agree. That's been going on. I mean, for this decades. has been going on before television. This was going on in 1965 or whenever. But, uh, but a little while ago, you're just telling me that you didn't care how wide it was and all that. Well, so you, no. So you, you, you just admitted to me ubiquitously, and, ubiquitously. You as just admitted movie. to me that the, the desire for big bucks has increased through time. Yes. Okay, but because, said, because a minute ago you just said, but then again, a minute ago you said this has been going on for centuries. Which what, I mean, what, oh, hang on, hang on. So, um, back. Let's okay. So, from a global perspective, nobody did care back in nineteen, let's say nineteen sixty or nineteen seventy. There were more guys doing deer drives. There were more guys doing. Uh, uh, you know, whatever the shooting or whatever, but there were pockets of of trophy hunting. I mean, the Boone and Crockett Club they they started when nineteen I don't know nineteen twenty or whenever that was. Um, there were pockets where it's like, remember there was the sportsman, okay, and it has changed because that whole landscape changed. And I'm pin, I'm pinpointing the start of that to what you're talking about to quality deer management. Al Brothers and about. I don't know, about 1980-ish down in Texas when they started talking about, hey, we're going to we're gonna do this stuff. That's when it started, and everything did follow. That, that. was media. No, it wasn't. Not back then, it wasn't. Media, huh? media, media started glomming onto it after. Well, that's how it spread, yeah. So yeah. people got more interested in big bucks because of media. Well, that's like saying, the, I don't know. I That's like saying... Um, the question to me is, I mean, that's if, like saying ABC news is responsible for the murder rate in Chicago. You know, if we would stop reporting on it, there wouldn't be so many murders in Chicago. Yeah. 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 And these kids would be a, killing themselves. These copycat school shootings because of media. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. You know, no, I'm not getting the parallel. I'm not, I'm not getting the, par- I can see where, um, somebody, Having a TV show where they show people shooting large bucks 
models to young hunters that that's what they should strive for is to shoot a big buck. And that that leads them to do things like lease land or buy land when they get older to shoot a big buck. I don't see how um, somebody reporting on a, a mass murder. Um, I mean, there is this copycat phenomenon, so maybe, but to me, it doesn't seem nearly as, as plausible. I mean, it's just, like, it's my, to me, it's like, I guess people have to make up their my own mind, but I just, I, I don't see how you could have shows like just show after show demonstrating these big bucks and people or having an orgasm over this big buck they shot and seeing the state where it was or whatever, the County even that that doesn't make people want to shoot big bucks. It doesn't make them more apt to lease land in that area. I, I just, I would, I would have to ask you for examples because I would turn the tables on you now and recite the shows today where you see that. Where, where I see, well, I, I'm not talking about what's happened just in the last week. I'm saying over my 40 years on as a hunter, I would, I put the, the, I would say that the decline in opportunity, the increase in leasing the increase in trophy hunting properties and sale of them um, is a consequence of hunting TV and hunting promotions, okay, advertising. Well, look, look at like, look at what happened to uh, Navy enlistments after Top Gun. They went up 500%. So did Ray-Ban sales after that. Um Jack Daniels sales went through the roof after basic instinct and, and Jack Daniels just paid a million bucks to be the only ones, only alcohol drank in that movie. Uh, look at what happened to bow sales after hunger games. So like, I just don't see people, you, when people see something on TV, it creates, it creates a desire in them. And by showing, I mean, you could argue it's a good thing if you want. I mean, maybe, but to argue that it didn't cause leasing. Okay. Well, here, let it me. It didn't cause the buying of land, didn't cause an interest in big bucks. I have people writing to me on a daily basis telling me that they got into hunting because of hunting media. Okay. So let me put myself in a time machine and parachute back to 1980. And I, I land in, um, wherever and i made i I wave my magic wand and i say click my heels together and say there will never be an outdoor channel or sportsman's channel or pursuit channel poof and now we come back to today or hunting hunting youtube or hunting social media well okay no now now we're talking about something else you said tv so if i'm media 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 general yeah. Okay, so let's, let's magazine just, everything but magazines. Let's do well, that. No, we'll, we'll even we'll even wave away the magazines. We're going to wave away all the magazines, all the all the. Do you honestly think we'd be sitting here doing deer drives and wearing red plaid and um, drinking paps and being happy? No, but the, <laughs> the world would have still spun and people would have still figured. And as long as there would have been QDM, as long as people were still if, if they had been producing big bucks to hunt, if they weren't producing big bucks to hunt. I could argue maybe that would have never happened, but um, I I tend to think that this is just a progression like anything else, 
it's a progression like um i don't know i mean we could probably sit here and think of many parallels that um who would have thought that you'd be paying a hundred dollars to go to a brewers game in 2022 when you could have paid three dollars and went 1980 it's brewers games are on the tv all the time they have media associated with them okay so then maybe we should just parachute back in time and erase all media well here's my question so (laughs) like but you don't you don't you don't agree with the pre the the premise so um I don't know if I don't agree with the premise, but I just don't know what the point is about, like, I can't sit there and shake my hands at the clouds and say... No, no, no. I have a prescription in mind. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. I'm saying if people really care about hunting, then they have a choice. If if they if it's if it's hunting they like, and I'm open to the idea that really those they like that they value hunting culture and hunting entertainment more than they value hunting. That's mm-hmm. a possibility. I'm open to that. But if they really if it's the hunting they really value, then they don't, they boy, don't have- boycott hunting TV, boycott uh hunting YouTube unfollow people that post dead and dying game on the computer and we'll see if it works in reverse the same way it works in going forward i see too much good in it i see too much good in yes are there idiots out there who are doing stupid things doing illegal things just for the record that's not my my concern is not the antis no, my not, my concern isn't the antis either, or uh, our but, reputation with the with the non hunting public. To your point, though, it's like I see too much good in because that's what I fought for my entire career. Is I have fought against um, unethical behavior. I have fought against to me, un- unethical behavior is is leasing up all the land and locking everybody else out, and you help with that. I I wrote an we wrote an article called um uh it was You called have a TV show devoted to it. False idols. False idols. We had an article called False Idols. Are these false idols? And it's put it in perspective. Put it put it in perspective in honor. Am I being preachy? Sure I'm being preachy. But at the same I, do, would you agree that going into a place where people hunt in the community like around me? Like we're the local butcher, local, uh, the guy at the hardware store hunts these lands around here and then leasing up a hundred thousand acres or whatever. Is that, would you, I, would you call that ethical? Is it ethical to take the 500 acres where I used to rabbit hunt by my dad, pancake it and put million dollar houses all over it? Well, that's yeah, but I, nobody's that doing ethical? that here. Well, they did it by me. Yeah, but they're not. I'm none of these places I'm talking about are being developed, and there's not even any threat of that in the immediate future. It's a question. No, hang on. Let me finish. What about the same the same situation? That land that you just said, leasing it all up. What if a farmer did it? Would that be Would that be unethical? If a farmer leased up all that land, saying, "Nope, you can't hunt here anymore because I'm going to run cattle out here." 
they are running cattle out there. That's what they do. The, all these lands have cattle on them. But I'm just saying, it, there's no ranches that don't have cattle on them. He comes with ostriches. I don't know. He comes in, he leases it all up and says, no, whoever was out here, you can't be out here anymore. This is mine. Signs, signs, everywhere is a sign. Um, I own this land and it's my right to keep you out. Um, no, I don't think it'd be ethical, especially when you consider that one third of their income comes from the taxpayer. I know, but that's America. We're talking, yeah, but we're not. We're talking about whether it's ethical or not. To me, it's I'm, it, that's not my. I don't know. I mean, I, I'd have to second guess. You, you, you don't have, have an, you don't have an ethical framework when it comes to stuff like that. In that regard, the way you're the way you're framing it, no. The way you're framing it, if I'm doing something, if it's capitalistic, whether I agree with that or not, that's his prerogative. We have that. We have that here a lot. Where uh, I I was uh, as long as it's legal, you're saying. In that regard, in that regard, um, because I have an almost a, a parallel example. I hunted public land. Here well, what are, are the stuff that you the, the ethical lessons that you teach? Are they legal? Are you teaching things that are legal versus illegal? The ethical things that I'm teaching are the one hunt that you're going to see on uh, our television show this fall. Okay, I got one buck tag, all right? I get one buck tag for gun season. They wanted me to shoot a you know a respectable deer. We get out there. Who's I they? The, our producers. They, you know, you want, they, okay, we wanted you to shoot a deer for TV, all right? We're going to do it during gun season. Um, here comes a spike. I was in the stand for five minutes. He had a busted leg at the shoulder. And I turned to the, my camera guy and I said, I'm shooting this deer. I said, this is this deer is suffering and he's not going to make it. He's going on three legs and I shot a spike. Well, if to me, that was ethical. Yeah, I agree with that. That was a suffering deer that needed to be shot. Now, any other, any other TV hunter, I got lit up on social media. Why'd you shoot that spike? That thing was only six or 18 months old. I'm like, because it was suffering. Well, you know, we would let those go. I'm like, I'm not letting it go. And I only have one buck take. So that, those are the ethical dilemmas that I deal with. Um, as far as dealing with getting locked out of land, that happens. It's happened to me. I, the example I was going to tell you was a paper company owned hundreds of thousands of acres of land. It was public. I hunted it. They took it all out of the managed forest law and sold it all. And it was all leased up. I should say they didn't sell it. They leased it all out. Was that ethical? No, because they got they own the land. It's their prerogative to make money off of it. Um, I didn't have a problem with it. It sucked because I had hunted it for 20 years and I was, I was squeezed out and I couldn't hunt it anymore, but you know, I, I just, it's just that I guess I'm willing to say that that's a rude thing to do. I'm willing to exercise my constitutional right to say that I believe that that's rude. And in the same way, I'm exercising my constitutional right, unlike all, everybody in hunting media who will drum up interest in hunting and try to bring everybody in the fold into the fold. And, um, and, and they're the, I'm not increasing hunting pressure. I'm not doing anything to cause leasing. I just go about my business quietly, unlike the hunting celebrities and the media people. I just do my thing. But I mean, everybody in media is like trying to bring more people in. They cause hunting land to be more expensive. They cause opportunity to shrink. And they're not willing to say, 
um you know it's kind of rude to lock up a bunch of land for yourself when there's so many people out there that want to hunt uh i agree with you i mean it's i I just it it bothers me i guess that's why i'm speaking out because it's like you know you guys won't say it so i'll say it you know i just think and, and i'm not even one that's causing the problem you know i'm just a guy that's going out hunting um so yeah it's i i'm constantly disappointed by like the people in media and the things they do like do you know what onyx you those guys well i um, know the 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 mapping so here's just here's an example that's been bothering me lately that guy he he filmed this video all these videos this project landlocked where he's flying into landlocked land and saying this is all land you can't get to isn't it sad um boo hoo hoo and like all being like this is your property and we can't hunt here and then i just found out he's like he bought cottonwood outfitters out here in eastern montana and um and he's leasing lease has the hunting lease now on over fifteen thousand acres um i'm willing to say that that's unethical i'm willing to say that that's rude like look at cabela's hunting properties look at mossy oak look at real tree all the property they bought and made exclusive for themselves it's like I'm willing to say you took the money we gave you for clothes and made it so you don't, we don't have anywhere to wear those clothes. Like I'm willing, I just, unlike everybody else, I'm just kind of saying, you know, you guys wanted all the extra hunters and you're trying to bring people in selling products. That goes to my, that goes to my baseball or NFL, NFL, um, uh, uh, example. They took all the money. I was a rabid Milwaukee Brewers fan my entire growing up. You, that would be like me saying you took all that money that I spent on baseball cards and baseball almanacs and brewers pennants in 1982 and you took it and you built a stadium that i can't take my kids to yeah pretty much you know why because it's a business and for me today why can't you take your kids there well i could but i don't i don't want to spend 400 dollars to do it you know you i mean yeah okay you can scrimp and say but back when i was at you we could go to every single brewers game if we wanted to like i said three bucks everybody chip in a buck for parking back in you know 1983 and you could go to Brewers game today, cheapest seat, what, 30 bucks, maybe 50? I don't know. I, I haven't even gone. And it's, but it's, the, my analogy is the same thing. It's like, you know, as long as there's a business, they're going to do that. Um, well, I, 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 I just think that I, and I'm just, my point is, I think that I'm trying to find companies that don't do that. And I'm saying, spend your money on companies that don't do that to you. Who does it? Who doesn't? Gulch yeah. gear um tnk hunting gear uh there's several other small companies that i'm so what do they do with their money they give it back to the hunters they don't buy up land for themselves they don't go hunting they go hunting but they don't gobble up property like real tree and mossy oak and weatherby and cabela's don't you think they'd sell it to somebody else <laughs> like um what if cabela's wasn't buying it or if real tree wasn't buying these are they- working landscapes these are working ranches that these companies buy up. Realtree owns a shitload of land right outside of Miles City that were, you know, and now it's that that's their like if if a company is going if to a rich, if a rich oil these people from- act like land grows on trees. Like the hardest part of having a quality hunting experience in the modern era is having somewhere to go. 
and when a company like takes like takes property out of like the, where potentially everybody could go that place those places would probably be in block management if it wasn't for real tree I, 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 wait, wait a second. Wait a second. Let's just let's break this down. So right. I, I'm, that, I'm one exa- what, that one example. Who did they buy the land from? A working ranch. It was a working cattle ranch. Okay, that working cattle ranch. Don't you think they would have sold that to somebody else? Yeah, preferably, preferably somebody that would be in the block management program. It, at the very least, I'm not gonna, familiar with they're going to buy. It's a it's a it's a program in Montana that compensates large landowners for allowing public hunting. Okay. So they come into a state where we have a program like that, that allows everybody to hunt and they use money. They got from their, uh, their clients, their customers and use it to make it. So they only can hunt it. And I just think that these companies uh, should exercise some fiduciary responsibility to their customers. And that's why I'm inviting people to support companies that don't, don't do that. Well, well, I don't know what to tell you with that, Matt, because like I said, that's not that much different than like here. Uh, if, if that land was available for sale, somebody's going to buy it and it's going to be somebody who's rich. And whoever's whoever's the rich person is going to not, uh, um, you know. Well, they should. Real tree should buy it. Real tree should buy it and open it up to public hunting. <laughs> you know that's not going to happen though. Um, and, I mean, they could. They, I suppose they could. They could turn it into a thing. But they're an, they're they're a for profit business. And well, okay, this this the okay. I think you're right. I don't think they will, and that's why I think hunting will die. I think it's because the hunting industry is incredibly selfish and doesn't look it out for the sportsmen that publicly accessible, high quality, public accessible, so you're non-pay, this non-pay hunting will go away. And so, so I agree. This, I agree with you. I agree with you. But I'm just saying is you're putting, they will, this, they will not do it. You're right. On the hunting companies to do it. Yeah. I th- I would I would argue say no we should put it on the states to do it if if it's if it's going to be that way we should put it on the states or the federal government um, you should be buying more land and making it uh, open to the public or here's a thought um, especially if I can talk in my own state we have three million acres of federal forest land here in Wisconsin um, it is the crappiest land for whitetails right now. That could be managed, but it's not being managed. Three million acres, you know. Um, so if if we want to make this um, kind of a goodwill effort, I don't think we should be pointing the fingers at public companies. We should be pointing them at government, the federal government, the state government, because then it's all about us. You know, we're the ones who we're the ones who be paying for it, right? Our tax dollars. We should be demanding that our tax dollars be spent on more public land and more hunting opportunities. Yeah, I agree with that too. I agree with that too. I think it I think that we should because it's really I think the, I think the hunting community should should uh buy products from people from companies that don't lock up land for themselves and that we should all advocate for for the for the government to do more to to increase access. Both of those things would be good. 
and we should be uh like i said um I, I just lost my train. But instead, what the hunting industry does is they like the leasing and they want to perpetuate it. Like you're, you have a show about finding your lease. The National Deer Association that's a that's a, a nonprofit, and they write articles about finding your lease. Meat Eater writes articles about finding your lease. Onyx writes le- articles about finding your lease. So you guys all like the privatization. I mean, you you guys work for it. I like privatization because I hunt on public land for 20 years and finally it's like I want to be able to actually see a deer. And the, yeah, and the, well, you want there to be more privatization. You like there to be more and more of it. You're, I would like you're to working, see more. You're, you have a TV show devoted to trying to make land more privatized, more leased up, more locked up. So, I, you know, like I'm just saying you guys work towards privatization of wildlife. That's your goal. and um, I'm saying, well, let's maybe we should support other companies that don't want it to be all privatized. Um, that and that's my invitation to my audiences. Let's try to find some companies that don't lock it all up for themselves and and write articles about how to find your lease and make TV shows about how to find your lease. You know, maybe there, maybe that way, it won't get in, incredibly more even e- expensive. You see what I'm saying? I, I I see what you're saying, but I just I maybe I'll start my own company then, and I will I will uh, that would be a very good uh, marketing campaign on because I mean if we, if we look at if we look at any at profit company, the ones you mentioned I don't even know. Um, if they're saying that we are we are pledging a hundred percent of whatever this. Uh, pious uh no they're not buying land and in, in, in making it they're not buying land and locking up so they're hunting out. only public land because they live in montana which is no a, no one of them lives in south dakota that's where tnk hunting gear is uh, gulch, gulch gear is owned by a pixar animator and the only thing he hunts is 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 black bears and he lives in oregon okay and i know you know and i just there's a lot of mom and pop companies out there that probably aren't, um, you know, putting forth hunting heroes and pro staffs and BS and like gripping, grinning online to try to sell products and locking and buying land and locking everybody else out. And that's like, I'm trying to get people to support those folks. Well, I, my, my, and I don't think it'll happen. And I think hunting will just get more, it'll get more expensive. Hunting will get more expensive. It'll be get, become more of a rich man's game. And I just want people to know it was because of the hunting industry that that happened. Yeah, I disagree. That's I, I disagree with you on that. It, it's um, hunting public land hunting today for trophy deer is probably better than it's ever been. It depends upon how hard you work and where you go for, to do it. Man, I would love for you, and I would love to. Do you know who Tony Hansen is? Oh yeah. So I would love for you and him to get hear a podcast with him and you because he does put the blame on media for the locking up of land. He does put the blame on media for crowding. 
He does put the blame on media for the inability to draw tags. Um, and he's a white tail guy like yourself. I, I um, so yeah. you guys have, you two have like stark disagreements. Have you, re- you uh, read? Yeah, you I, read- know, I, I've read, I know. I know him very well. Um, so the, you guys, have you ever talked per, about your per, differences of strong differences of opinion? His perspective is coming from because he's quite a bit younger than I am. His perspective is coming from a guy who has hunted public land probably for I'm going to guess the past twenty five to thirty years. Now, if you'd have transported him another ten to twenty years beyond that and hunted public land, then you would have saw how much it quote unquote really sucked because it wasn't, it wasn't a fraction of what it is today in 1980, you know, um, public land then would have been akin to trying to hunt ducks on the Mississippi in you know, 1970. I grew Um, up, I I started hunting in the mid, in the mid eighties and we didn't hunt public land very much. We hunted a, a farm that we got permission from. They were neighbor or friends of ours, uh, went to the same church, two farms, but it was terrible, terrible then too. Yeah. In Michigan. Terrible. So yeah. Um, but he, he's like this article that he wrote, um, are the good old days of whitetail hunting. Um, he makes, he, he argues that he can't draw tags anymore. Um, and that it's incredibly crowded. And he says, and he says media is to blame. He said me and the rest of media are to blame. I don't know. And then, and then after, after writing that article, his very next article he puts out is titled. Um, so he writes this article in September of 2022 saying all this stuff. And then um, his next article in January, 2023 is titled the three most underrated states for public land whitetail hunting there you go there you go (laughs) there you have it um yeah so it's like and now i'm not saying tony because i know he he's a heck of a he is a very good hunter uh and he's a very good public land hunter but um the guys that say it's always interesting to me like i was just on ben o'brien's podcast and i was talking about my how i despise how the big names shoot 20 big game animals a year. I think it's disgusting. Well, yeah, and, he was hopping all over. He goes, oh, I was going to hunt three states. Um, and, and he starts talking about, and I'm talking about John Dudley. He's one of those dudes that does that. And he starts talking about what a good hunter he is. And I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? You know, how yeah. good of a hunter you are. Like, it's not, it doesn't ex- make it then like Tony Hansen doesn't get a pass because he's a good hunter in my mind. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't. No, that wasn't my, my point. The point I was trying to make is there's these guys that say, um, oh, that public land is just hammered. It is just hammered. Okay. I'm going to use an example because I've hunted Illinois. I didn't hunt it last year. I hunted it every year for 12 years during gun season. They have public land right across the road from where I hunt. You cannot hunt it as a non-resident. It's You can only hunt it if you're a resident. And I am not exaggerating over the past five seasons that I hunted it. Not last year. I wasn't there last year. The five previous seasons. I've counted maybe two pickup trucks on that public land. 
and it's some of the best land in Illinois. It's in the Tri County or yeah, the Tri County area where the Golden Triangle, whatever the hell they call it, is. But the perception always, even when I hunted public land, oh, if you saw one hunter, if one guy came walking past you, well, there's you know, there's everybody's here, or if you some you know because you were you were ticked because somebody walked underneath you. But to me, it's always about perception. Um, sure, are there areas that get just pounded with hunters? Ask any waterfall hunter. I'm sure there are. But there's deer hunting spots, especially where you're at in Wyoming and Nebraska and other places that don't get touched. Um, and I I think there's always going to be that. Not, not where I am. Not where I am. Not at Montana. There's no good public land deer hunting in Montana. No, you said don't get touched. I mean, you know what I mean, like, like very, very light hunting, for the most part. If you, if you, if you put in your t- public land hunting is tough. I did it. You're behind the eight ball. You got to work harder. Like you said, it, it's much more satisfying when you do shoot a deer. It's cool. I still know people that do it. To me, I've done it. Been there, done that. Don't want to do that anymore. Um, you go through cycles as a hunter, and um. Would I ever do it again? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, especially around here, do I want to count chickadees when I can go sit on my nine acres over a food plot and actually see a deer? I'd probably I'd probably go sit in my food plot and see a deer because I, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you do it for the experience. And, yeah, to me, it's just not an accomplishment. And, like, I'm only in it for the accomplishment. Or I like the experience too, but like the accomplishment is a big part of it. And to me, it's like shooting a deer in a place that nobody else can go to is not an accomplishment. It's just, and, and on a grand scale, I don't, I'm not talking about your nine acres, but if it's, if you're leasing up a bunch of land for yourself and doing that, then it's something in my mind that you should, it's like, you're not looking out for the rest of the hunting community. You're just kind of selfish. Um, but I, uh, I, you know, I guess that part of it comes down to whether or not, um, you've, it's the experience or, or if the accomplishment factors into it. Um, I'm trying to see here, I guess, uh. That's all the questions I had for you. Anything you wanted to ask me, Dan? Um, you know, I think I think we we have similar viewpoints, and we do have differing differing viewpoints. I think you still you have a. Um, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't think it's realistic as far as like, you know we should boycott this or that and it's going to make everything better. I think it's, um, number one. Yeah. And I don't think it's realistic either. Just, just to be clear. I don't, I think that publicly accessible, high quality hunting is going to die. And I'm saying if it was, if it's not going to die, it's because we're going to do some crazy shit like support in mass on mass support companies that, a cool uh do the right thing by the sportsman i don't think we will but I'm no, saying, that, in my mind that's what it would take to save hunting um non-pay hunting it's an interesting take i guess i would have to think about it more as far as what i really you know what will what will save hunting i think we've been 
I think we've been pitching this rallying cry for decades. I mean, back is like, oh, this is back in Dan Rather, the guns of autumn back in the 70s. You know, go look up that when that all happened. Everybody thought that was the end of hunting. Everybody thought what's it was that? What, what What's the Dan Rather? Uh, he was a newscaster for, I don't know, ABC, CBS. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, it was called the Guns of Autumn. Okay. And it was basic. It was a rallying point for anti hunters. You asked your brother about it. I think he wrote about it. Um, it was a rallying point for the anti hunting, uh, quote unquote, movement, which I don't think. I mean, yeah, is it more vocal today? Maybe. But uh, th- that started then, and everybody was thinking, oh, But my I'm not God. trying to save it from the anti-hunters. I think the no, no, threats, no, no, no. Not, I think the threats are from within. But the hunting threats to hunting are from within, not hunting in within. General. I agree. On social media, there's stuff that I absolutely hate. I absolutely hate. And I do like the fact that there are some people um, out there, because on social media, it's really easy to respond. There's, it's really easy to tell somebody, I think you're being an idiot. I, I think that's disrespectful. I don't think you should be taking a duck and biting it in your teeth and taking a yeah. selfie with, yeah. with, it, with it, you know, or laying yeah. down next to a dead deer, taking a selfie of you laying next to it. I th- but I think we police ourselves that way. I think um, better. But, 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 but even that is, that even that take is the concern but behind that take that drives that perspective is concern about the reputation of the hunting community in the non to the non-hunting public. Right. Correct. But I'm saying the threat is from within it's, it's in my mind, it's the hunting industry and hunting entertainment jacking up the price of hunting to the point where unless you're wealthy, it's not it's not realistic for you to do it anymore. It's not realistic for you to go out there buy a Montana deer tag and and hunt one. No, it's not. But can you still buy a resident tag and find go find some good hunting somewhere? Absolutely. You can do that in any state. I um I, I, I think that I agree with you in the fact that the guys who want to go hopscotch across the country and hit three or four states, hunt public land and kill 130 inch deer on every stop those days are probably screeching to a halt because a lot of people want to do that. Like you said, a lot of people are going to lease that up, but I still think there's always going to be great opportunities for people like you and I who want to go out and put some meat in the freezer and don't care if they kill a 120 inch deer, if they kill an 80 inch deer or if they kill. A yeah. Beast. And you could be right. I, you know? I, I don't think you were right because I, like I say, I've just watched the trend line get worse and worse over my 40 years as a public land hunter. Well, like I said, I hunted a farm the first few years, but my 35 years as a public land hunter. Um, so yeah, it, that's the, that's the, um, that's what'll be interesting to see whether you're right. That we'll always be able to go out and find some decent opportunity on public land without paying for it. And a decent opportunity for me is if I shoot a, a spike in a doe in a year, that'd be, I'd be, I could live with that. I do better than that now, but I could live with that. Um, but in my mind, I don't think it's even going to be that, but we'll, it's time will I tell. Time will tell. Yep. Yep. Um, well, Dan, thanks for taking the time. Best Absolutely. to you. It was fun. Thank you.
And now I got to go find myself a PBR because you got me thirsty watching. You <laughs> this is, yeah, I, I, I hit, I hammered two of them in, in this <laughs> conversation. I've been sitting here with my red solo cup with water. So it's 